0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, it's a solo edition of the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Network with Israel at the beach. We're going to talk SEC meetings, eight or nine game schedule. Who knows? Uh, we're going to talk Georgia baseball. Looks like they're looking for some new leadership uh, down there at Foley Field. And much, much more right here on the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast. Roll Andrew i mm-hmm. All right, welcome in. It's the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Network. Israel's at the beach, so it's just going to be me flying solo for now. Israel's going to enjoying his much needed downtime after a after a tough, tough school year, every school year is tough for educators. Uh, every month of May is tough for educators. So Israel's joined his much, much needed beach break as they're on dead period down there in the state of Georgia. Uh, they will get cranked up with uh, summer practice next week. But until then, uh, I'm going to bring you some, some hot topic debates and things like that. Israel and I will talk about this. Uh, When he returns, I'd love to get his opinion on it. Uh, But uh, we've got a lot of things on the docket. As you heard in the cold open, the eight or nine game scheduled debate, uh, the SEC meetings are going on right now in Destin, Florida. So there's a lot of debate on that topic alone. With, with the different scheduling formats so we'll get into that here in just a minute uh, Scott Strickland has been relieved of his duties as the Georgia head baseball coach uh, who's going to replace him well we've got some we've got some potential names as the as the college World Series is drawing closer uh, when we last saw you we had Jenna Becerra on Georgia was in the midst of an of the super regionals. They did not come out victorious in game two. Florida state has advanced on to the women's college world series. And to me, I I think, I I think they're going to have a tough time, not winning it uh, to be honest with you Uh, between them and Oklahoma. I think you're going to see it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting women's college world series. So that's, you know, there you go. But we are presented by betonline.ag. They continue to be your number one Number one source for all your sports gambling needs, the NBA finals, the Stanley Cup finals are set, Vegas versus the Vegas Gold Knights versus the Florida Panthers, or do you have the Miami Heat or the Denver Nuggets? You can bet on that right there at betonline.ag. They have all the latest odds, live game betting, props, things like that, that you can bet with any sport, not just NBA or NHL, you can bet MMA, boxing, college baseball. You can probably even bet softball as well. You can bet world soccer, esports, you name it. BetOnline.ag has it. Uh, they also have casino games. So if you like to play blackjack or Caribbean stud poker or roulette or slots or whatever it is you like to play when you walk into that casino, BetOnline has it as well so you can head to the, so what you can do is you can head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device and join I'm pretty sure there's an app i think we researched this on previous episodes but uh, you you put the, if you're a first time user put in that promo code believe that's b l e a v to get your 20% welcome bonus on your first deposit again that's the promo code believe to get your first welcome to, to get your 50% welcome deposit or Welcome bonus on your first deposit. Wow. This, this promo has got me so excited. I can't even say it. So bet online It's where the game starts. So SEC meetings, let's, let's start there. Right. A lot has been ever since Texas and Oklahoma joined the conference. There's been a lot that has been discussed as far as the schedule goes. Nine game. Do we have pods? Do we, do we still have divisions? Do we still have this? Do we still have that? Well, this debate is raging on and we're getting closer and closer to a resolution. Why? Because we have to. And so I, I think what you're seeing now is this thing play out live in the in the media. So here is what's being argued about. Okay, so you have 16 teams coming in, which means under both models, I, I'm pretty sure divisions are gone, um, but you would have, under the eight-game model, you would have all 16 teams having one permanent opponent and then rotating every other opponent on on two-year cycles. So you would play everybody else, and you would see every team, home and away, within a four-year span. Or you can go to your nine-game schedule. You have three permanent... And six rotating opponents, which I believe would put you seeing everybody home and away on a two-year cycle. Now, the big thing here, all right, let's let's start with the eight game schedule. Okay, you would have one permanent rival and you had seven rotating opponents. Okay, so the pros and cons here. The pros. It's one less conference game. You have your SEC championship which would then put number one versus number two in the conference instead of east versus west, you would have your one permanent opponent. So what that does, the pros, okay? It allows you to continue scheduling out of conference games, all right? So you can have your F- you can preserve your annual FCS, help you, help your nearby FCS school out with their budget game, and you could still have two division one games, okay? That's the advantage. Nothing changes out of conference schedule-wise. You can still keep some of these marquee matchups, things like that, like Georgia-Florida State in 2027. You could keep that matchup, right? You could keep a Georgia-Clemson, and you could have another Power Five. So that would be a Georgia-Clemson and then a Georgia-Georgia Tech, which is an in-state, out-of-conference rival. Okay, so you could still keep a lot of your scheduling intact because what these teams do is they schedule way far out in advance so it would take some of uh, the logistics of canceling these games and being able to keep a lot of the stuff that you've put in place up through 20 32 33 34 even with some of these teams okay that's the pros all right now obviously the cons or the big con that everyone's talking about you're, you're gonna you're gonna cut down to one permanent opponent. Okay. So that's going to take some of these natural rivalries away, like Ole Miss LSU. I know Steve on Lockdown Ole Miss was talking about that. All uh, right. It's going to take away the Deep South's oldest rival, Georgia Auburn, because Georgia's annual opponent would be Florida. Okay. So you would take, you would probably take away, let's see what that would do for Tennessee. You'd probably take away the third Saturday. And you would probably take the third Saturday in October away because. Iron Bull takes precedent over that. All right, so that would leave Tennessee Vandy on an annual basis, which for Tennessee fans, they'd probably welcome that. Um, You would take away some of the secondary rivalries. Now, you would still play them every two years. So to me, it's not a huge, huge issue. All right, so let's look at the nine game. All right, nine game, you have three permanent opponents. To me, I think some of these teams—it was a stretch to find the three permanents. All right, some of these games are just—they're going to turn into rivalries. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, it definitely—it definitely seems intriguing to have. Uh, you know, the, obviously, the pros is you get—you you cut that time in half of when you're going to see every team uh, every year because you're probably going to end up playing just about every team every year. Um, but uh, you would see every other school at least once every two years with both of these models. You get more conference games, which means you probably cut one of your Division One games, or you probably cut your FCS game, which is kind of your get-well game, kind of your budget helper, kind of like you're reaching down to little bro. So to be honest with you, I, I don't know exactly where I stand on this. Uh, I, I have to – I think it would be good either way. I, I think the SEC is in good enough shape to where I, I think you're going to be okay – no matter what, you're still going to get marquee matchups. You're still going to get Georgia Auburn, maybe not as frequently as you'd like. You're still going to get the Ole Miss LSU game. You're still going to get AM Missouri every year or every two years. So it, you're going to get these games. You're going to get them more frequently. What I like about either one of these models is the fact that Georgia is going to actually travel to College Station, which has not happened yet for a football game. Georgia has not stepped foot. In College Station, the last time, the only time Georgia has played Texas A&M, it was in Athens. Now they're set to go to College Station next year, as part of as they would rotate back in. But the fact that since 2012, when A&M joined the conference, that they have not been to College Station, to me, is ridiculous. So I, I think the scheduling model, no matter how you shake it fixes that because what I like about it is it takes the divisions out it, it brings into a single table and I, I, I'm I for that right I'm for that now how they'll adjust the, the recruiting calendar how they'll adjust everything else will be up for debate but to me <sighs> I don't know. I don't know which one I favor. I'm going to talk myself into it probably tomorrow night. We're we're going to talk about this again on SEC After Dark. Um, I just wanted to get this out there. I just wanted to get my thoughts together on this out there. Um, But again, there's pros and cons to either either way you look at it. And with the SEC, they pretty much print money. So, I, I don't think there's an argument either way as far as money goes. I think you could win either way money wise. But it's it's going to be interesting. And there's some people that aren't necessarily in favor of it. Nick Saban, he favors the eight-game schedule. Why? Because um, his three, <laughs> mostly because his three permanent opponents are going to be LSU, Tennessee, and Auburn. That's a tough three opponents there. Um, of course, South Carolina and Kentucky are also saying that they want to keep the eight-game conference slate as well. Um, because I think South Carolina's three-game opponent, three permanents, uh, include Georgia, um, or do it? No, no, it was Kentucky that had Georgia. Um, but both of those would like an eight-game conference slate, uh, nine-game format. Missouri, Florida, LSU, and Texas AM and all preferred the nine-game. So it's kind of split if you if you really look at it. Um, you know, you, you got to look at the TV, the TV stuff. I think whatever happens, this is what, this is a quote from Nick Saban. He says, I think whatever happens, there are so many things that probably sort out as far as eight games versus nine, including TV contracts. So you're going to have to figure out the TV contracts and because there's going to be, but is it going to really be that different TV wise. Every SEC game is on TV regardless, but the point I was making and the point I agree with Saban on actually, um, which would which would lend me slight lean in favor of the eight game schedule is that uh, you have a more balanced schedule. You get to schedule some out of conference Power Five opponents, which I think in the grand scheme of things, fans actually do want to see. Like I, I think fans are, I think Georgia fans, I think Florida State fans are fired up about the FSU matchup in twenty twenty seven. Georgia fans were really excited about the Oklahoma matchup that was supposed to happen this coming season, uh, but since the whole announcement last year of Oklahoma joining the conference, the return leg, because Georgia was supposed to go to o- to, to Norman, the return leg was going to be affected because Oklahoma was going to be a member of the SEC, so um, it wasn't going to necessarily be apples to apples, so they canceled that game, so Georgia's schedule looks really, really weak because of that right now, but Georgia Tech's going to be a little bit better of a team this year that'll balance some things out. So I, I think you're going to see, I would like to see some more non-conference, interesting, compelling matchups. I would like to see schedules kind of flipped a little bit as far as what they do. Uh, so maybe I am in favor of the A game. And it's not necessarily because I'm afraid of playing Auburn and Florida and Kentucky in, in a, on a permanent basis. I just think you can get some more compelling matchups. I think it gives you more flexibility uh, scheduling out of conference. Now I do think that uh, I do think the sec should say, Hey, you have to, if we're going to go to eight games, you have to schedule power five opponents. All right. None of this. And, and George is guilty of it this year. I'll admit, uh, but none of this UT Martin followed by ball state, which was necessity because Oklahoma canceled obviously Um, And this is, this case is different, but in years past, there was like a MTSU followed by a UAB followed by an Austin P, you know, like having those three games on your schedule. um, Just, you know, I I think there needs to be, if they're going to make that debate of, Hey, we can get a more balanced schedule. Don't go out and schedule all these G5 opponents. I don't know. I don't know what mandates you put on that, but I do think that there, I do think there needs to be at least two Power Five teams on your schedule, and that third non-conference game, if you go to eight game model, I think that third non-conference game could be whoever you want. Okay, it could be whoever you want: G five, FCS, whatever. Just just make sure you have two P fives on there, which most years George do does have two P fives. Um, last year was Oregon and Georgia Tech. So again. A lot of a lot of good things, um, but uh, I, I do think the one troubling thing for traditionalists will be that rivalry piece. Georgia Auburn loot This is the Deep South's oldest rivalry. I, I, does it lose any of its luster? No. I still think that's going to be the same rivalry it's always been. It's just not going to be played as frequently, right? And you're still gonna you're still gonna see that game every two years. All right so you're going to see it for 2 years and it's going to be off for 2 years and you're going to see it again for 2 years and it's going to be off for 2 years. So it's not like it's going to die like the Texas Texas A&M rivalry died for what however long A&M's been in the conference uh, what 10, 10 plus years It'll be 12 years by by the time Texas rejoins. So you're going to have you know you're going to have more of a chance to to, to get some of this. So to me you know what I just did? I just talked myself into the eight-game schedule. Well, there you go. There you have it. I'm in fi- I am like the eight-game schedule personally because of the flexibility you get with scheduling the non-conferences. Uh, Steve is going to be on the other side of the fence on this because he wants to play LSU. He wants to play the Egg Bowl. He wants to play those two games year in and year out. And you're going to have to sacrifice that. Like You're not going to play LSU every single year but you're going to play them more frequently than you would if they were in the other division. Like as it stands now, like we would like, you're going to play every team every four years, home home and away. So you're going to get two games against every team every four years. So you're not losing a ton. But anyway, that's my piece. I can't wait to I can't wait to talk to Israel about that. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna jump off the subject for now. Uh, if you want more on this, we're gonna talk about it on SEC After Dark tomorrow night. Uh, Stephen Willis, Jeb Beecham, Jake Thomas, and myself uh, tomorrow live eight o'clock Central Time. Uh, so be sure to tune into that. That'll be be a fun show. That'll be an exciting show. We're, we're we're trying to we're trying to get off topic here, but the SEC just won't let us because they're coming up with so many interesting debate pieces. So. Um, but anyway, eight games versus nine games as this stands right now, I'm in favor of the eight game, but if they went to the nine game, I would be okay with that. I would be good with that. But I think if you, I think if you said, Corey, gun the head, what do you want? I'll say eight game schedule. It gives you, it gives you a chance and you can regulate and you can even regulate it in the conference. What do you want to do with, with, the with the remaining games, the non-conference games? Do you want to regulate it to the point where, hey, you need two P five games on your schedule, or we can't do this? And if Alabama freaks out about that, well then what do we have? Then go to the nine game schedule, and say, okay, fine, nine games. You're just not going to be happy either way. But I think you do, I think you can't do an FCS and a G five. I think you have to have two power fives and then whatever you want as a third one, I think would be fine. I don't think anybody would complain. So that's my piece. Welcome to the conference, Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, you're walking into this. They have no idea what they're walking into. Uh, but there was a lot of topics talked about at the SEC meetings, uh, tampering penalties. Uh, they asked Kirby about that. Um, they asked Kirby about NIL, which I think, you know, we've ta- I've talked about this, you know, having guardrails on it and having things in place to where it doesn't get too much out of control or too lopsided. You know, I I do think it creates an imbalance. But on the flip side, I do think also it gives opportunity for schools that you know that don't normally that if they can create some nil opportunities, they don't normally they can get some recruits that they don't normally get. Maybe they can get some guys out of the portal. I I think it makes things tricky with transfers. Uh, I think you know you you can kind of get into the we could we could have a whole series on. The different avenues that NIL could take you down. All right. I, I, I think, I don't know. Nick Saban was kind of onto something uh, when he was talking about salary caps and things like that. Uh, you know, making it more structured like the NFL would be. That's why you need a commissioner of college football because they can, like, they can mandate some of these things. They can create some, some structure. Right. I think the problem with college football is not the fact that these kids are making money, it's not the fact that. Uh, schools booster schools boosters can pay these kids it's the fact that you're going to have these superpowers and you're going to have everybody else starve for talent it's going to turn into a feeder system because it's going to be a machine and and there's got to be a little equity but how do you create equity with 134 teams 135 teams are having me in division one or even just cut it off at this at the P5 level like 60 or 70 teams, how are you going to regulate, you know, the NFL has a, has a pretty hard time doing it with just 32, you know, how are you going to do it with 70, 75 P five teams with regulating NIL and putting caps and things on that? I, I don't know. As somebody way above my pay grade, but there should be some structure to it. Um, there is a little bit of structure, but there should be some more structure to, to kind of protect the integrity of what it's meant for and not not meant as a, as a means of tampering. So um, that's going to get I, I can't wait to see how it unfolds. I'm excited that this is something that we're talking about. Like how do how do we get programs paying players equitably, equitably? I can't say that word. Apparently, um, that's that's exciting. That's fun. That's a fun topic. I I, I like what NIL was originally made for. But now let's get a little bit of structure. And I'm cool with that. I'm good with all of that. I'm good with structure. I like structure. The NFL thrives on structure. The NFL is the most structured league in professional sports. They're thriving because they have structure. MLB has no salary cap. The same teams every year, except maybe the Rays. The Rays are kind of bucking the trend a little bit, which that's that's cool. But really, it's like the top the top dogs as far as as far as payrolls go, as far as bank as far as balances go. Like the Yankees are always going to be able to buy whoever they want because they had the most money. If you have a salary cap, you don't necessarily get to do that. Uh, NBA, they have a salary cap, but it's more of a more of a guideline than it is a rule. Uh, NHL, they just I mean, they can't really pay anybody, anybody, anyway. So, salary cap would be useless. Which is is why the Florida Panthers are in the Stanley Cup Finals, right? They have no salary cap. They really don't have any. They don't really have as much structure as the NFL. But hockey is like the fourth most favorite sport in America, maybe even the fifth behind MLS. (laughs) MLS and MLS might be moving up the charts. They they have. uh, I would like to get to know their structure a little bit. They, They have an interesting. Interesting way about going about business in the MLS. It's kind of fun. Go Nashville, SC, by the way. All right. Before we jump into another topic, uh, Row One Brand watches. If you want a, if you want a historic art watch for your wrist, go to RowOneBrand.com. Search historic art watches. Georgia has four options. Promo code Dogs Twenty will get you what you want. Great-looking piece of art on your wrist as a showpiece. It's a conversation starter. Hey, oh, I didn't know you were a Georgia fan. Oh, yeah, look at my watch. Yeah, this is cool vintage art. This is Uga back in 1929. How an artist saw Ugga. So, RowanBread.com. Dogs20 is your promo code. Do it. I dare you. Triple dog dare you. All right. George baseball. Um, On the heels of an abysmal season, a season of which, which saw vast underachievement, is now in the books. Scott Strickland is no longer the head coach after 10 years of the Georgia baseball program. He got it to a point where they were a viable candidate, but he just couldn't get over the hump. And a lot of it had to do with recruiting, was losing recruits out of the Atlanta area, and out of the state of Georgia, in general, um, the NFL draft, the NFL. Look at me, got football in the brain. The MLB draft is hard enough to navigate in the sport of baseball because there's a there's a there's 347 rounds. I don't know, I don't think there's that many. I'm just exaggerating a little bit. But when you when you look at what baseball, all the possibilities that baseball players have, it makes it difficult. And when schools like Campbell or Cal State Fullerton or some of these like smaller schools that have great programs that also makes it difficult for recruiting. But Georgia behind in facilities, one of the, in the bottom half in the sec in facilities, Josh Brooks is rectifying that there's some, there's some facility upgrades that are in the works right now. Right. And I think there's some that are in progress now that the season's over. All right. The final piece is that recruiting piece. Whiffed on most of your, whiffed on the majority of your pitching recruits. Georgia failed, failed big time on the mound, especially with the bullpen. Injuries were a huge, huge factor. Couldn't overcome that. Couldn't hit with runners in scoring position. Couldn't hit in clutch situations. But occasionally they would mash. But this program never really developed to where it should have been. They've got to, they've got to a couple points. He got them out of the dumpster. He got them to be a viable program, which I commend him for that. It's just now time for somebody else to get them over the rest of that hump. Okay, um, but uh, they're in the search now. So here's a couple of names to look out for. Okay, I mentioned Campbell University. Why? Uh, because. Because one of the best editors in the one of the best editors in sports media, Anthony Dasher, UJ Sports, uh put together and compiled this list. Why? Because I don't know baseball coaches around the country. So I'm leaning heavily on Anthony Dasher here. I used I used to be a rivals guy myself. Still am at heart, but not officially. Um but I am a rivals guy. Roddy, Dash, Dane Young, Blaine Gilmer, all those guys at UJ Sports. This is, this is a free plug for them. Uh, so if you want to go and look at their baseball coach hot, uh, hot board, uh, go, get you, go get you a subscription. I don't know if they have any promos going right now, uh, but go get you a subscription and go read it. Justin Hare, Campbell University. He's in his ninth season there. He has a record of 262 and 188. Um, he's 199 and 108 over the last five complete seasons. That's excluding 2020. They're currently 42 and 17. They're playing uh, in the winner's bracket of the Big South tournament. All right. Uh, they're the only nation. They're the only team in the nation to have 100 plus home runs, 100 plus stolen bases, 100 plus doubles and 100 plus hit by pitch. Showcasing best qualities of his hard to kill mantra at the plate, they set a record for home runs in a season with 118, uh, topping the previous mark of 106 that stood since 1985. Okay, this is an intriguing hire. I didn't see anything about pitching, but their record speaks for itself. They play in a good conference. They're, they're they seem to always be in the in the in the hunt in the postseason. Is he the best option? I, who knows. We're going to hit. We're going to hit well. Uh, But I would love to see him recruit. Would love to see him recruit pitchers. All right. Cliff Godwin, East Carolina. Uh, He's one of the top ones in all of college baseball. He's been a part of 13 regionals and two college world series appearances at the division one level, uh, which includes he's been at East Carolina for eight years. Um, he's going to be tough to get away because he was, uh, a four-year letterman for the pirates. Um, he was a four-year letterman. So, uh, he, he made, it, he's had, uh, coaching appearances at Ole Miss. Uh, he's had, uh, I mean, he's got a long list of things. Um, he, he's 41 and 15 this year. He's 15th in the country. um, but uh, money talks, guys. Money talks. Uh, he's increased to five hundred thousand per year. Georgia could probably double that they, if they want good coaches. They have to pay money. And Georgia's athletic department has money, All right. So he's been uh, American Conference Coach of the Year. He's guided uh, ECU to six NC regional bursts, four super regionals, uh, three conference regular conference titles, regular season wins, three AAC, AAC tournament crowns. Uh, he's got a 30 151, 4 151-1 overall record. <sighs> All right, uh, he's had uh, 20 players earn All-American. Uh, 23 were All-Regionals. 33 were named All-Conference. 14 were drafted by Major League Baseball teams. That's pretty good for recruiting. Like that would like if you read that bio as a recruit, man, I'm signing up, man. That that's a that's a good. So right now I'm picking Cliff Godwin. All right. Jake, Gautry, I, I can't even say this name. Um, from Mississippi State, assistant coach. All right. Uh, former, former first round pick of the Padres. Um, they've had seven guys drafted uh, in his first year, a school record. Um, recruiting trail has also been a place where he's found success. This is intriguing. All right. Uh, last five recruiting classes earned national accolades. His final recruiting class at Tul- Tulane was tab number four in the country. So, this would be a straight recruiting hire, which is fine. He can, I mean, obviously he can, uh, you know, he can develop. He's an infield coach. He's a hitting coach. He can develop the team, but he can recruit. All right, so that's what I like about this one. All right, but still, I think Godwin has got to be the choice at this moment. I think uh, Mike Baxter. Anytime you can plug somebody from Vanderbilt in the sport of baseball, it's good. Mike Baxter, right? Mike Baxter's—he's uh, a hitting coach and recording coordinator. He's a former major league major leaguer. He made his debut with the Padres. See a theme here? We played for the Mets, the Dodgers, and most recently in 2015, the Cubs. Um, He's—he is. He's a head coaching prospect. Why? All right. Um, because he led Vanderbilt to his sixteenth consecutive NCAA tournament berth, appearing in the Corvallis regional after getting off to a 19-2 start to begin the year. Vanderbilt outscored his opponents 43 to 6 across three wins at regionals. All right. Uh he's a recruiting coordinator. He's helped them secure the number one and number two classes in recent years. According to perfect, game, perfect game.org. this year's class Vanderbilt is number four. All right. Um, he's a viable candidate as well. Uh, West Johnson pitching coach, at LSU Chris Pollard, head coach at Duke Dan McDonald, head coach at Louisville, which hmm, that's an intriguing one too. Um, I, I think you would, I think it would take quite a, a bit of uh, salary to get him to leave. He's making a pretty good chunk there, but he's two time national coach of the year with a career record of 719 and three eleven, including five trips to the college world series. That'd be a slam dunk, uh, but he's already, he's already a million dollar coach. So if Josh Brooks is willing to pony up, which I see no reason why he isn't, uh, I, I think this could be a very, very interesting offseason for Georgia baseball. Uh, But to me, the best for your money is Cliff Godwin. If you can get him to leave his alma mater, Uh, money talks. But what this new baseball coach needs to do, what they need to be able to do is they need to be able to lock down the state of Georgia. They need to be able to get the top talent to come to Georgia. You know, obviously, surefire major league guys are going to go to the MLB draft. It just is what it is in that sport every school experiences that or every state experiences that as well. So you're going to need somebody that is an all-star recruiter, somebody that can say, okay, you come here, you're a six round pick. Let's say you're a six round pick by the Royals. Okay. That means you're probably going to spend a good chunk of your years in double a baseball. Come to Georgia. Let's say I'm the new coach. Hey, come to Georgia. Let's say I'm Cliff Godwin. Hey, come to Georgia. We've got some guys drafted. We can get you from round six to round three, and that increases your chance of getting to the big leagues. That's got to be like, we got to have somebody like that. All right. And obviously, the staff around them is going to also have to have a hand in developing them once they get there, because it's great to be able to recruit. Uh, but you don't want to be the Ed Orgeron of baseball. Recruit all this talent. Can't really do much with it, uh, except for the one fluke year that they that, that LSU won the national championship. I don't want to call it a fluke. I mean, it was a fluke for, for Ed Orgeron, but that was one of the best teams ever assembled. Uh, you, couldn't, you couldn't lose with that group. That's beside the point. You need somebody that's going to come in, recruit, develop talent, and that's it. If you can do that on a consistent basis, You'll start making regionals and you'll start making super regionals. Then you'll start being a regular fixture in the college world series. One guy that knows how to do that, who's ready to be a head coach is Mike Baxter. If you can get a sitting head coach, that's had success. That would be awesome. But George is a George is this type of program that I think for the right amount of money, which you're probably going to overpay just a little bit because of where you are. But I think if you can get the right guy in here, it's it's a pretty enticing job. You're in the state of Georgia, which is rich in sports talent: football, basketball, baseball talent, golf talent, tennis talent. Georgia is a good state. The state of Georgia is a good state for athletics, no matter who you're recruiting. It's a big state. There's a lot of Atlanta enormous city, um, and because of the film industry. Gravitating towards Atlanta more you have an influx of people with people brings a greater percentage of a chance that you're going to have great athletes so anybody that can tap into that will be a home run for UGA so before we let you go uh, UGA Track and Field is moving their facilities over to South Millage, which will be great. They can spread out. They can do some great things over there. That's a program that's on the rise. Tennis, um, the men's tennis team, has had some recent success. Success uh, with uh, with a national championship, right? So that's exciting. So somebody's winning a national title in a, in, in a sport, which is phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. I'm so excited for that. Uh, the number one class in the country is coming in uh, for tennis. Uh, it is Ethan Quinn that was a national champion uh, in this, in uh, men's singles, so that was great. Uh, women's golf is also, uh, or the golf team in general is also doing well. So uh, a lot of good things happening at the University of Georgia. Would love to see basketball get on board, which I think they're heading the right direction. Would love to see baseball get on board. They should. If they're not already, they should. So anyway, uh, that's going to do it for us. I can't wait to get Israel back. I'm hoping he's enjoying the beach, enjoying the sand, Um, maybe trying his hand in surfing. I don't know if he's into that kind of thing. So, um, But we are, this is. I don't say we because it's just me. Uh, this is the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Network presented by betonline.ag and the Rowan One brand. We thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. If you like what you see, subscribe, hit that bell notification, get those alerts for our next and future upcoming episodes. But for Israel Troop who's at the beach right now or on the way to the beach right now, I'm Corey Burton and uh, we'll see you back here next time. Uh, and, but until then, as always,